across the blue line. Leaves it. Kale McCarr winds, fires, score! Now Rubido, top of the near circle, pass far side, wide open net. What a save made by Philip Grubauer. Just outstanding stuff. I am Grub. And Zadorov oh. smash! <laughs> oh my goodness! Yep. What a bone-crushing hit by Nikita Zadorov. And Howard Luck has no idea what day it is, what time zone he's in, and he is slowly making his way towards the bench. Hello and welcome into another edition of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, as always, J.J. Jerez. With me, of course, is my man, Arif Dean. We are recording here just kind of hours after the NHL officially announced that we're not going to have to wait too much longer for avalanche hockey. We're turning around and playing tomorrow. We're recording right now on Friday, game time Saturday, Arif. Yes, 6 o'clock p.m., Mountain Standard Time. I think this is great. It's it's exactly what the league needs to do during COVID season where it's let's get the ball rolling. Uh, there's, an op- there's, a, there's a chance, depending on the results later today, Friday, that the Avalanche are going to start round two before another series or maybe two series finish off round one because they play a game seven on Sunday. But I'm all for it. The Avalanche are hot. The Dallas Stars are hot. There's no point sitting around and just waiting for the next game, especially for the players in the bubble. Yeah, we're going to, of course, preview the Dallas Stars series, um, wrap up the Arizona Coyotes series for you here on this podcast. But first, let's just wrap up this conversation. Um, You know, this is kind of exactly what we wanted to see from the NHL, experimenting with different playoff things and formats that could maybe be used further down the line. I mean, how many times do we see uh, a team go and go 4-0 in the first round and sweep, suddenly they have a huge break waiting for the second round to start and they come out of the gate slow. Well, this is going to definitely help the Avalanche prevent any kind of slow start into that series. Yeah, and I mean, even with the NHL's normal format where the uh, there there is no reseeding after the second round, uh, it helps like if the you know the the usual format of one verse four two verse three if two defeats three and one defeats four within a four to five game series just get it going they're both ready they're both ready to go why make them wait while others are playing just get it going that's how the nba does it and it just seems like it makes more sense it keeps everybody happy it gets you excited and ready to go as soon as you can Looking back and uh, going to wrap up the Arizona Coyotes series and put it behind us, but first, you know, the Avalanche finished with a, another 7-1 to victory, and I think a big takeaway, you know, looking at the macro of the whole series rather than finite details, you know, I thought it was just a really positive sign from the Avalanche that they really ramped up throughout the series. I mean, you started game ones and, and two, and it was a little bit iffy. You know, Arizona looked like they would hang, but by the end of the series, the Avalanche you know made their made their domination seen and felt by the by the coyotes and two seven to one victories to finish the series is a pretty good sign you know the funny thing is it's the exact same thing the dallas stars did with calgary they sort of were having trouble scoring in the beginning calgary was winning earlier in the games and then suddenly they started making these comebacks i think it was game three or game four remember that crazy game where pavelski scored and then it was waved off and then they scored another goal to tie it then it went to overtime they won Yesterday they were down three to nothing, six minutes in, and scored a touchdown. They they won seven to three, just like the Avalanche scored two touchdowns earlier this week. So like, 
it's it's exciting to see that because now you have both of these teams are rolling offensively. Their goaltenders are both stopping pucks. Granted, Grubauer is stopping a hell of a lot more than Hudobin is in terms of save percentage. Um, and both are going to be ready to go. This is going to be a fun series. I still feel confident the Avalanche can beat this team, but it's going to be a lot of fun. One thing that the Avalanche also did really well towards the end of the series against Coyotes, it seemed like they really, and what caused the 7-1 wins was they found a few weaknesses within the Coyotes game and they really exploited it. I mean, first and foremost, I think one of the biggest factors was the power play. I think they figured something out there on the power play and suddenly it was clicking and, you know, those last two, three games, they were really buzzing on the power play. This is the exact type of power play that you were waiting for this season with the Avalanche during the regular season. They have all of these parts and they took Nazem Kadri and stuck him in the middle of it and you're waiting for them to just click the way it clicked. Mikko Rantanen obviously had a bit of a rough season this year in terms of not being a point per game, being one below a point per game, but he's suddenly putting up all these points. Makar is suddenly doing a lot better job power playing a quarterback in the NHL, which is not an easy feat. It took Tyson Berry five or six years to get in the in the swing of things. It took McCarr 12 months. Uh, so that just speaks volumes to the type of player he is. McKinnon is doing his thing, uh, and then Landis Gogg is doing his thing. So you have all of these parts. You were waiting for this to happen, and it got to the point where when Arizona takes a penalty, it's like, shit, we're letting in another goal. Yeah, it was a major weapon for the Avalanche, and I think McKinnon is something I wanted to pinpoint because I feel like on each power play, you saw him kind of doing something different. They were throwing curveballs mm-hmm. at the Coyotes. Sometimes he'd be behind the goal line. Sometimes he'd be in the middle. Sometimes he'd be where Miko Rantanen's typically at the half wall. Yep. And you know, other times we'd see him where we're used to it. So good on the Avalanche for throwing those adjustments and really making keeping the power play as dangerous as it has been all year. And another thing I thought that they exploited pretty well was suddenly when McKinnon was scoring those last couple games he was shooting more from the high slot you know just kind of getting those shots off like he did all regular season rather than trying extra hard to attack the net and and come in and do something beautiful just throwing pucks on from the high slot I liked that adjustment from McKinnon as well McKinnon's got a he, he's got unbelievable accuracy with those far shots. He knows how to get the puck through. If he was a six foot four, two hundred something pound built Zadorov style defenseman, he would be the best power play quarterback in the NHL because he seems to know and seems to have a knack for getting the puck through. And for whatever reason, it's a skill that is almost not even you know it's not something you can really learn. It's something that you have, and he has it. And we saw it this year. He was scoring all those goals on the blue line where he just fire a wrist shot in. It's like oh that was a bad goal for the opposition to let in and then it's like no that was just an exceptional shot and he was doing it again this week and it's it's great to see him working like this he's got all the confidence in the world he's got as many points in the playoffs now that he did all of last year's playoffs and he's just you know he's buzzing and he's not even the the highest scoring player on this team right now right we kind of touched on it last episode that we have yet to see him really dominate a game I mean yeah he's been contributing he's been doing a lot of great things but we haven't seen him truly take over but it's hard to really defend that when you see how many points he's got he's got 13 points so far in the playoffs so he's he's playing and, great I just think there's another level and I mean, still. yeah there is and I mean he doesn't need to that's the thing like there is so much talent on this team and what Nazem Kadri is bringing to it and how that's completely changed the landscape and Burakovsky's a point per game player in the playoffs right now even though he was sort of in the doghouse for half of that series and he somehow came out with three goals and eight points in eight games after the round robin in the first round so if you're McKinnon do you really need to dominate every single game 
not necessarily just ho hum 13 points 12 points in eight games and and just move on and on to the next series a couple episodes ago we were really hammering the importance of it playoff intensity you know we looked back at training camp when jared bednar really got on the team about how they were lacking a bit of intensity so i wanted to kind of look at that first round and just kind of talk a little bit about that playoff intensity that the avalanche kind of went through because you know, they they beat an 11th seed. Let's call a spade a spade. And essentially, it was an 11th seed that yeah. they played, which, in my opinion, yep. that series was a lot softer and a lot less taxing on the Avalanche than even the round-robin um, round was. So, you know, do, do you have any worry in you that that first round series against Coyotes wasn't going to be true playoff intensity for us? No, because the Avalanche imposed their will. If the Avalanche were winning every game three to one, three to two, and just squeaking out and playing that a little bit more robust and 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 less intense hockey that we saw in the round robin, I might be a little bit worried. But they didn't do that. The Avalanche said, you know what? We were gifted this opportunity to play a lower seeded team because Nashville sucks and the Coyotes eliminated them in four games for some reason out of a five game series. So despite the fact that they were playing an 11 seed and they had a chance to play a 12 seed in Chicago, they still said, let's play as strong and as hard as we can because we need to make sure that we are in game shape. And that's what they did. They scored, you know, they, they put up 50 shots a game, basically. They scored seven goals in each of the last two games. They didn't let up because once you let up, you're playing preseason hockey against an 11-seeded team, and then suddenly you're playing the Dallas Stars, and they are a lot more fired up than you are. So I'm not too worried. Uh, I actually think this is uh, a positive for them, and it's going to work in their favor because... They don't have to battle as hard as the Dallas Stars did against the Calgary Flames in order to get to where they're going to be when the puck drops tomorrow. And that's kind of what worries me is you're going to kind of lack that playoff intensity that they're going to already be used to. I mean, you know, you you look back and I know we got kind of got in an argument about this where I thought the team looked a bit frustrated. You said they didn't seem frustrated, but there were moments where it looked like some frustration was setting in. I mean, I remember at the end of one of the periods, they cut to Nathan McKinnon, and he's kind of jawing at Jared Bednar a little bit early on in the series. And part of me is curious about the mental fortitude of this team because I'm, of course, the Avalanche broke through and eventually dominated the series, but had the series continued in that way, continued to frustrate the Avalanche offensively and frustrate guys like Nathan McKinnon, and if Darcy Kemper continued to do the things he did, I'm curious if that, uh, you know, they could have persevered through that mentally because part of me still sees, I don't know, some weaknesses in this team when it comes to frustration like that. I'm going to disagree again, and I'm going to do that, and I'm glad we're finally disagreeing on something because there's no more learning process here. The Avalanche have been through their ups and downs, and their main guys dating back to Johnson and Landeskog before McKinnon was drafted, dating back to when McKinnon was part of the, you know, the, those three guys, the guys with the letter on their jersey, they were the only ones that were part of that 2014 series against Minnesota. That was a learning curve. They were part of the the rebuild and, and seeing Matt Duchesne wall now and seeing all the things that happened there. That was part of the process. Getting in the playoffs in 2018, getting destroyed by this higher-seeded juggernaut in Nashville, that was part of the process. Playing San Jose last year, you get where I'm going with this. They've seen it all. At this point, they've seen it all. And the guys that they brought on board, your Donskoy has been to a final, your Burakovsky has won a cup, your Grubauer has had a long playoff run as a starter and has been a backup for a Stanley Cup team. All of these guys have been 
somewhere like this. The only person that hasn't been on a long run from the guys they brought in is Nazem Kadri because Toronto couldn't get out of the first round and he's scoring goals at will. They've seen it. They've done it. Ian Cole has won cups. Calvert has been in the playoffs before. I'm not worried about that part of it because I think that they can turn it on when they need to and they know what's coming. And I guess that is kind of the good positive thing to take away from here is they went through the frustration, they got pissed off, and they just put their heads down and got through it. They persevered, and I think that's going to be a good sign, but it's not going to get easier from here. Dallas is no Arizona, and after that is probably the Vegas Golden Knights, and then you got the Stanley Cup. So part of me worries about where they, where they can, what they can handle mentally. Part of me, you know, is, is pretty is feeling pretty good from what I saw against the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, I'm feeling good for two reasons, and there's many ways to look at this, and, and there's many ways for it to shake out. When Game 3 was unfolding and the Avalanche were putting up all these shots, you sort of saw that loss coming, especially when former Av Brad Richardson scored that goal late in the second period, which, by the way, sidebar, that dude's been in the league for a very long time. He was with the Avs in 06, and... Hell of a career he's carved out for a guy that you, you know, usually players of his ilk play for three to five years. But anyway, back to what I was saying is that as soon as Brad Richardson scored that goal, you kind of got the idea that that was going to be a loss because they worked so hard to tie the game only to give up the, the lead very shortly right after. And they came out in the third period and how they played in the third period of that game three was literally what happened in all of game four, all of game five, and they scored 14 goals. The reason why I'm not worried is... Uh, Number one, when that was happening, when that game was unfolding, there were no going to the bench and slamming your stick. There was no going to the bench and slamming the door. There was none of that. After the game when we talked to the players, there was no frustration. There was no like upsets and ums and uhs and anything like that. It was just, oh, we never, you know, like Landis Cox said, we didn't take away the shot from Kemper. He saw everything. We didn't get in his way. We didn't make it hard on him. Uh, is the game plan going to change? No, we're going to do the same thing we were doing. We're going to keep taking shots and we're, they're going to go in. And that's exactly what happened. They didn't show any sign of frustration, any sign of well, how the hell do we beat this guy. And then the second part, you have somebody like Kadri, who is leading the team in goal scoring with six goals, who's got all these power play records friggin for the franchise, and he's breaking them out throughout just around Robin in a five-game round one. And he's got zero penalty minutes, even though he's a player that usually his frustrations get to him. And he straight up, you know, we will go more into this later on, but he straight up talked about becoming a more mature player. And this is part of the process. None of them are phased by this. Just like when we were talking about how the Avalanche weren't phased by the coronavirus and the pause, it just sort of seemed like March 12 went into July 13 when training camp started without the fact that there was four months in between there. It was just the very next day, same mindset, same thing going. I feel the same way about this. I think the team played a very disciplined series, uh, penalty-wise, and Kadri deserves a ton of praise for how disciplined he's been. But at the same time, I still think it's just the Arizona Coyotes. I think there's a bit of a lack of intensity sure. there. You go yeah. to Dallas Stars, Dallas Stars are much better at getting under the Avalanche's skin. I mean, let's look back to earlier this season how Calvert just had to fight Jamie Benn. We don't know what Jamie Benn was saying to Matt Calvert, but a couple plays go on and Matt Calvert's like that's enough of this let's drop the gloves you know they've got Corey Perry who's just a notorious for getting under people's skin I think the Joe Pavelski who's an avalanche killer and is pretty much a physical specimen as well absolutely so the mental strength has to be I think just a, a notch above what it was in this in this uh last series not again not saying it was terrible but it's going to get a tougher road and it's going to be a lot more challenging to keep a cool head I think 
it's absolutely going to be more challenging, and that's just the reality of it. Uh, going into this round after the qualifying round, there weren't many teams from those eight that went through the qualifying that really truly stood a chance. Even though Columbus beat Tampa Bay last year, you didn't really feel that they would do it again. Arizona and Chicago, I mean, Colorado and Vegas, we knew they were going to breeze through it, and Chicago and Arizona are lucky they even won games. Uh, Calgary and Vancouver had good qualifying grounds, um, but they were going to be up for a challenge against the Dallas and St. Louis, and we're saying this all the while knowing that Vancouver could very well eliminate the Blues. Um, the only team that I actually thought from the qualifying round was going to impose their will was not the Islanders, which very much imposed their will. It was the Carolina Hurricanes, and they were just beaten to the ground, and Svechnikov got hurt, and there was just a lot more momentum and a lot more confidence in them going far that sort of ended up being a disappointment. But basically what I'm trying to get at is everybody that's playing in the round two is going to have a tougher competition coming out of round one, and that includes the Vancouver Canucks. Congratulations, you eliminate the St. Louis Blues. Well, here's the Vegas Golden Knights. Have fun. So that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, Dallas, the Avalanche's uh, next opponent, they, they they had their work cut out for them with the Calgary Flames. And if the Calgary Flames played the Avalanche, I promise you the Avalanche would have swept them, probably beaten them in five at the most. Uh, so congratulations, Dallas. You came back. You defeated them twice with you know two come-from-behind victories. Well, here's a Colorado Avalanche. So I agree with you that it's going to be harder for the Avalanche, but they're not the only one. Yeah, and to summarize, I guess my whole point from the first 15 minutes of this episode is just that I'm a little bit weary of getting too pumped. I mean, obviously, I, I've said it before. I think the Avalanche are one of the f three teams that can actually take this all the way, but I don't think that that first series against the Coyotes was a good enough preparation for playoff hockey, and I think the Avalanche have to be extra careful to not expect similar level of hockey to be played in the second round and I know like you're saying naturally it's the second round that's not going to happen but the preparation and the, the couple games leading up to it I in my opinion were just not exactly playoff preparation hockey so I'm just a little bit nervous that's all I'm saying yeah and and I promise you they know all of that and they are they are taking that into account I don't think they played the Coyotes and said we just beat Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel uh and 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 it's it's you know that was a tough competition. We can just breeze through from here. They know it's getting harder. They know they had it easy, and uh, I think they'll be ready. It'll be a fun series. Do you see the Avalanche taking the uh, next series here against Dallas? I haven't had a chance yet to look at the lines from DraftKings, but I'm sure they're in Colorado's favor. Definitely something I'm going to consider taking. So I'm going to predict the Avalanche win this series in six, but I'm going to predict that they have a 3-1 to one series lead at one point rather than it being 2-2. Two to two. So it's going to be one of those things where they, they win it handily, even though it went to six games. Make sure to check out the odds on DraftKings. Again, this might be free money that they're giving out with the Avalanche going, um, you know, probably getting out of this round, in, in our opinion, with somewhat of a breeze as well, like they did the last series. But sure, the regular season is fun and all, but only one thing can compare to the excitement of basketball's playoffs, and that is having skin in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Basketball has made its way through the regular season. Now it's time to crown a champion, and DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you in the center of the action. To celebrate basketball's first round of the playoffs, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you an amazing free bet offer. For every day that you bet at least $20 on basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook will give you a $10 free bet. 
Head to the app right now and check out all they have to offer, including player props, quarter-by-quarter betting, and so much more. Plus, don't forget about hockey's playoffs. DraftKings Sportsbook is offering great odds and promotions all week long to help you make it rain. DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe, secure, and reliable betting app, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up. For a limited time, all you... All users can get a $10 free bet when placing a bet of $20 or more on all first-round playoff action in the NBA. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out by offering a $10 free bet when placing a bet of $20 on all first-round playoff action. Again, that's promo code MHS only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And I'm, I'm really excited, like you said beforehand, I'm really excited to see what the uh, what the odds are going to be for the series. I think it's going to be a lot closer, definitely a lot closer than the Arizona series, but definitely a lot closer than a lot of people think. Dallas gave the Avalanche a lot of issues this year. Um, at one point before Dallas went on that six-game losing streak right before the coronavirus pause, they were right there hand in hand with the avalanche at one point they were number two seed and the Avs were the number three seed so this is going to be a fun series uh at the same time colorado might have a little bit of confidence knowing they can defeat dallas considering they shut them out two weeks ago four to nothing but i'm i'm really excited to see this yeah the restart has been weird for dallas you know you look back at the round robin they were inches away from going oh and three and then they go into the first round, and they went down 0-2 to, to Calgary. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to gauge exactly the form that Dallas is in. I mean, you look at the Avalanche, and they're just in great form. You know, it, everything is moving in the right direction. Like I pointed at the top of the show, they really trended upwards in that last series. Well, Dallas has kind of been all over the place, so it's kind of hard to predict what, what kind of form they're coming into this series with. That's absolutely correct. They... They lost those six games before the pause. They came out and dropped their first two games, and then they just barely squeaked out a game against St. Louis in the third-round Robin game to, to have the number three seed. And then they came out and lost game one to Calgary, and suddenly the Flames were giving them problems. So before they turned it around and did what they did these last two or three games and really just imposed their will. Um, so it is hard to predict what you're going to get. The Avalanche do feel good about themselves they do feel good about the fact that they just rolled Arizona. They feel good about the fact that they haven't lost in regulation since this thing restarted. They feel good about the fact that they shut out the Stars. And also, I really do think they feel good about the fact that the Stars won that third-round Robin game by tying it up against St. Louis with 30 seconds left and winning in overtime. Because that right there is the reason why Colorado doesn't have to play St. Louis in the second round. Rather, they would only play the Blues if the Blues managed to get through Vancouver and managed to get through Vegas and meet them in the third round. So I think the Avalanche have their ideal opponent right now, and it's it's Arizona and then Dallas in the first two rounds rather than a combination of Dallas and St. Louis or whatever it would have been before the pause. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that this morning, how crazy it would have been just thinking about the old playoff format or i guess the traditional playoff format and how that could have worked this out. would have been your this would have been your first round they would have had to play this team right off the bat 
yeah, so it, it's pretty crazy. And, of course, we just found out a couple hours ago that the Avalanche were going to be playing tomorrow. The players and the teams, of course, found out yesterday morning. But a really quick turnaround for Dallas. I, I guess, what do you expect out of Dallas? Do you think they're gonna? it's going to be too quick of a turnaround for them? Or should, are they just going to keep riding that momentum and, and just kind of get right, right back into the flow of things? I think both teams are going to ride the momentum because we're talking about how Dallas played on Thursday and they have to play Saturday. Well... The Avalanche played Wednesday. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. I think this benefits the Avalanche rather than having both teams rested, having both teams get right back in the swing of things. In terms of the momentum and riding the wave, they'll both be doing that. But at the same time, Dallas has some guys that are banged up. The Avalanche, not so much. Uh, today, Bednar announced that uh, everybody who skated will be healthy and available so i assume that that means that nemesnikov will be available the only person that didn't skate was nichushkin and he said that that was more of a day off uh for bumps and bruises rather than an injury or something that we should worry about at the same time we can get into this later i think nichushkin should be the one to sit with nemesnikov coming back in not tyson jost um but with that being said, the Dallas Stars are without Ben Bishop, they're without Matthias Janmark, and they're without Steven Johns. Those guys are not going to have a chance over three, four days to get healthy and rested. Rather, the, the Stars got to roll the same line that they had against Calgary, which might be an issue against a team like the Avs. I like that point. There's not enough time for them to get their rest that they need and get healthy, and especially the guys that are already battling some bumps and bruises. I wanted to get into Ben Bishop, and then we'll get into the avalanche injuries that you kind of touched on there. But Ben Bishop is really interesting because I've mentioned before, I think he's the key piece that could actually stop the avalanche and the real reason that the Stars could possibly pose a threat. But he's been unfit to play. Not so unfit, though, that he's still backing up Kudobin. So he's on the bench. He's he could play I, I don't in, think in an emergency situation. I don't think that's true. It's It's been Jake Ottinger, the kid from Boston. That's uh, from Boston University. That's the kid that's been backing him up. I actually checked yesterday. Maybe he did back up some games in the past, but I, I do know for sure that Ottinger backed up Hudobin yesterday because when the Flames went up 3 nothing six minutes in, I said, Dallas is screwed. They can't pull Hudobin. They're not going to put in this kid as a rookie. Yeah, it's, okay, I, I might be wrong about that. But either way, the, what I'm saying is Ben Bishop, it, it's just crazy that we don't know what's wrong with him. And yeah. he's really the, the biggest factor for Dallas to even stand a chance because I don't think Kudobin is the right goalie f against the Colorado Avalanche because he's made some saves here and there, but he's needed the offense to kind of dig him out of, of big holes. And that's the thing. It's, it's the Avalanche are going to catch a break if they don't have to see Bishop. And even if they do... Does he have a lingering injury issue where he's forcing himself into it? Is he ready to go? Is he, you know, fit to play in terms of uh, getting up to speed with playoff intense hockey? Because he, he hasn't played. He's been unfit to play for a really long time now. Uh, meanwhile, Grubauer's in the groove. And uh, Francouz hasn't played much. But, you know, you know you can rely on him if needed. Not that the Avalanche will need him at this point unless Grubauer gets hurt. But, yeah, this is a big break for the Avalanche, man. I mean, this is probably going to help them a lot more than people think especially considering the fact that ben bishop is a total avalanche killer and the dallas stars really kind of got into shootouts there with with the flames i mean they're really high scoring affairs which was not something we expected right and that's also just not something that they want to get into with colorado avalanche right i mean they're really going to have to find a way to play more of a defensive structure like the coyotes where they're really holding the avs offense to a minimum rather than just going shot for shot with them and hoping that the goalies make the plays because against the Avalanche, Kudobin just doesn't have what it takes to stop the weaponry of Colorado. So I think the, the 
goaltending is something definitely to keep an eye on throughout. Yeah, I mean, if the Dallas Stars are expecting to go into a shootout with the Avalanche, they are going to lose. If they try to play their type of hockey, which is let's do what the Coyotes did, but we're a better team with more skill, then yeah, they could frustrate the Avalanche and they can actually do what you were saying and frustrate them to the point where maybe the Avalanche start to doubt themselves. The Coyotes just didn't have the personnel to, to make the Avalanche feel that way. This team can. So we'll see what they decide to do. Either way, I feel confident about the Avalanche, especially with McKinnon and Kadri doing what they're doing. Yeah, speaking of personnel, I mean, it's kind of fascinating to see Dallas get as far as they have considering what's been going on within their team. I mean, you look at it, and it's Joe Pavelski leading the goal scoring, followed by Denis Gurionov and Miro Heiskanen. So, you know, the Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, and Radulov, we're still waiting to see the offense from that, from those guys. So, you know, if that continues, again, I don't think the Stars can really hang. They're going to need those three guys that haven't been producing. They're going to need Corey Perry, who has also kind of just disappeared so far in the restart. And they, the, the Stars aren't going to stand a chance if Pavelski, Gurionov, and Heiskanen are leading the offense. Yeah, Pavelski is a great player, but we know, you know, we know a lot about him. Uh, from last year in the playoffs and and what he's done. But this year he took a big step back. You know, father time catches up to everyone. But he's still got six goals. It's as much as Kadri does. Gurionov is a younger guy, yes, but he had a four-goal game yesterday. He scored a natural hat trick in just over five minutes uh, on their way to that 7-3 victory against Calgary in game six. But, you know, alternatively, if, if Ben Sagan and Radulov can't pick it up, the stars are screwed. But on the other side of the spectrum, if Ben Sagan and Radulov do pick it up, and then you have Garyanov and Pavelski and Rupe Hints and all these guys also pitching in offensively, suddenly you have a deep team like the Avalanche and a powerhouse going up against a powerhouse. Yeah, and Joe Pavelski just playoff magic follows that. He doesn't category. go he doesn't go away. It's it's unbelievable how many times this guy scores has scored big goals in the playoffs and how he's he's top five in the league since the NHL uh, return from the 2005 lockout in terms of playoff goals and points. And like you mentioned, you know, even Rupe Hintz and John Klingberg have more points right now than Sagan, Ben, and Radulov. So crazy. You know, that's something, another key thing to keep an eye on. But, you know, while they kind of weren't in good form, they were still able to, to score a ton of goals. You know, they scored over five goals three times in their series against Calgary. Um, I guess, is, is that something that you need to keep an eye on, the the, uh, the danger of this offense? Is it able to score some goals, or are you kind of banking that on the fact that they were just playing Calgary? It's not exactly a challenging opponent. No, I'm not going to bank it on that because the Avalanche were also just playing Arizona. I mean, the funny thing is, talking about Dallas, we're talking about Ben Bishop and now Hidobin, and the fact that Dallas can play a very defensively sound game and choke the offense out of you and do all those things. But if you're the Avalanche, you need to be careful about the fact that Dallas can score goals. It wasn't something they were doing much of this season, and it's kind of weird that they're doing it, like you said, without Ben Sagan and Radulov. But they can score a lot of goals, and the Avalanche need to be weary of that. Because if you're playing a team that might be very stingy defensively, where you are only going to get three, maybe four goals on them, then you can't go down 2 nothing in the first period. It, it's simply going to be hard to come back from something like that against a team that might try to shut you down offensively. And then I wanted to get a little bit into the power play, which I think obviously was a big piece to the Avalanche's success in round one. And of course, it's going to have to be a big piece moving forward. 30% 
power play success rate, I think that's ridiculous high. Obviously, number one in the NHL so far since the restart. Do you think the Avalanche can keep up this pace? I mean, they've been scoring yes. more than a goal a game on the power you don't play. Have, you don't have to finish the question. Yes. Nazem Kadri adds that much of an element to the top unit. And the second unit is still scoring some goals too, but Kadri, McKinnon, Makar, Rantanen, Landeskog, I will bet on that every single time. Yes. Right, and not to mention Dallas's penalty kill isn't exactly one of the best. Arizona obviously last place since the restart, especially since what the Avalanche did to them. The Dallas Stars only five places better at 19th since since the restart. So I think that's something Dallas should definitely be worried about is definitely staying out of the box and making sure that the heavy artillery of the Avalanche power play stays off the ice because if not, again, it's going to be a tough series for for Dallas. Yeah, and let me shoot some stats out at you in regards to the Avalanche's power play. Kadri has five power play goals in the playoffs, and that includes around Robin, and he has four against the Arizona Coyotes in that five-game series. So the four against the Coyotes in a five-game series is the most since 1997 when Valerie Kamensky had four in a series. Alternatively, the five that he has in the playoffs is as much and uh, the most that the Avalanche have had in a single playoff since Joe Sackick in 2001 when Joe Sackick had five all the way to the cup. Kadri's got five already and we're at game number eight. Yeah, absolutely. Those are just unreal numbers. I mean, when you're compared to Joe Sackick and anything, obviously those are good good things to come. But when you do it all in the first round of the playoffs and you, you pass what he did in an entire uh, playoff season, I guess. Uh, just fascinating stuff coming out of Nazem Kadri. We don't need to beat that drum any harder. But yeah, Con Smythe type stuff coming out of him. Yeah, and people are still saying that Nathan McKinnon is playing better hockey than him, and I I don't disagree with that. McKinnon is up there as well. But that just goes to show you that the Avalanche have two guys right now that are doing what those two are doing, and they're both centermen, which is the most valuable position. It's they're stacked, man. They, they haven't had this kind of depth in a really long time, and I'm just really excited to see them go farther than this. Yeah, I'm sure at 5v5, Nathan McKinnon is definitely playing some better hockey, but when you have that man advantage, you have to produce. You have to take advantage of it, and that's where Nazem Kadri's really shown his value and, and you know been his wor- worth his weight in gold because y- you see that power play step on, you expect something good to happen and Nazem Kadri makes it happen rather than a lot of times we see the the other guys hesitate to shoot a little bit too passive and you know frustrate us but ever since Nazem Kadri's been at full health and back in that power play that that's been the x factor for the power play you said it yeah and that's just your first unit the second unit all the power to them and you know they deserve credit as well they've been doing a really good job Sam Gerrard has picked it up a little bit offensively he obviously had a goal JT Comfort by the way we can, we can have a whole other podcast episode about JT Comfort and how he's evolving into this playoff third-line centerman that is you know one of those guys that's going to show up in the postseason every year because he looks way better in these last two weeks than he did the entire regular season. And he also has been scoring goals lately. And then you have Burakovsky, who's at a point per game. You have Nichushkin as a big body in front. Nemesnikov, who missed most of the series. But before he missed the series, he was a weapon. So that second unit has been producing as well. And uh, even though they don't get much ice time, it's good to know that you have two minutes of great power play time rather than Cody McLeod jumping over the boards for the second power play unit. 
We broke down in the last podcast the coaching matchup that went down between Rick Tockett and Jared Bednar. Well, now let's look ahead at the coaching matchup between Jared Bednar and Rick Bonus. It's a little bit different for Dallas because they had a coaching change in the middle of the season. It's kind of, you know, that's it's rare to see a, a team kind of experience success after something like that. But um, I, cr- I really question where Dallas's head's at considering we just heard I think it was yesterday from Rick Bonus his complaints yep. about life in the bubble where I think you look at the Avalanche and they seem to be enjoying the bubble you haven't heard anybody complain they're focus 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 is Rick Bonus kind of setting himself up for some excuses before the <laughs> before the series even starts here I don't know if it's considered setting himself up for excuses but this just echoes the sentiments that I've been saying for many weeks now and I repeated even I think in this episode earlier I said it too Colorado's been unfazed by the pause. They've been unfazed by the empty arenas. They've been unfazed by the bubble city. They've been unfazed by being away from their families. They are unfazed. They are one of the two teams that in the training camp session, everybody was talking about how focused they are. And that focus has stuck through for a month and a half now. And they've got another month and a half to go before they can hopefully raise the cup. And they are just unfazed. Yeah, I mean, it's just funny to me to hear the things that are on his mind versus the things that are on coach Bednar's mind. I, I know that, that no hockey player showed up to the bubble to have fun and enjoy their time. They showed up to win and they showed up for a reason. And it seems like Dallas is already forgetting that. And yeah, I, I think the, the mindset of the coach is going to speak a lot to the mindset of the locker room. And I think they're already starting off on the wrong foot with those comments. Yeah. And Jared Bednar said it today when his media availability today being Friday, he said that, he prefers the series starting Saturday as compared to Monday or Tuesday, which was what was originally supposed to happen. And that's because he says time goes by really slowly in the bubble. Games speed it up. Games make it you know funner and it gives you something more fun and gives you something to look forward to. So if you're the Avalanche and you play it on Wednesday and you're not playing until the following Monday or Tuesday, that's a long time to be stuck in a hotel room and enclosed in the space without a game. So I... Uh, they, they just want to work. They're ready to go. And then looking, you touched on it earlier, looking at the health report for the Avalanche right now. We saw Donskoy miss a game there. Of course, we're still waiting on Nemestikov. He was day-to-day, kind of the last we heard from him. Um, but it, it, is there anybody, in your opinion, who's playing through that classic playoff cripple, so to speak, where they're on the verge of being injured, but they're kind of playing through it? Because in my opinion... While you think about if uh, there is anyone that comes to mind, it feels like Makar is on the verge of being injured. I mean, he's tough. He's going to play through it, and he's going to still produce and not make it obvious that there's anything wrong with him. But I think, I think, and I'm purely speculating here, that he's just one bad hit away from missing a couple games. I mean, everybody is at this point. You don't get through a round robin and, and a series like that even if it was the Coyotes, without having some bangs and bruises. It's it's funny that Bednar mentioned Nichushkin today's, you know, given an off day for bumps and bruises because that's the guy that I was kind of looking at beforehand because he just hasn't been the same Val Nichushkin, the choo-choo train, this freight train that he had been all season. And uh, it's part of the reason why I think he's going to be the one to sit when the Mesnikov is reinserted into the lineup. Uh, I don't know that for sure. That's purely speculation on my end. Obviously, Bednar does not show his hand until game day. But Nishushkin was a guy that I was uh, curious about because he just hasn't produced offensively. Let's get a little deeper into that. What do you expect to see from a guy like Val Nichushkin when he is buzzing and firing on all cylinders? The choo-choo Nichushkin that you mentioned. What do we need to see from him 
to kind of gain your your uh, not respect but gain your approval for being where he is in the lineup uh confidence with the puck he doesn't seem to have that right now he's not shooting and when he does shoot he's not scoring uh he just seems like he's just floating around there. He's still getting a lot of ice time. He's still on that second power play unit. We already know he's a big body that doesn't live up to that and doesn't use his big body, similar to kind of a guy like Carl Soderberg who has a big frame and doesn't really utilize it. Uh, but he just doesn't seem confident with the puck. And he had been all year. He had a chip on his shoulder after Dallas bought him out, and that chip seems to slowly be dissipating. You know, if un- unless it's an injury that you know we're, that I'm curious about, I just feel like he's he's not confident right now. Enough about Miko Rantanen. What about Val Nachuskin? No. Oh, <laughs> that's been all season. Yeah, I mean, Rantanen's there too, and that's why I keep mentioning McKinnon and Kadri. McKinnon and Kadri. It's because Rantanen is not the one uh, producing in terms of dominant performances like he was last year. But all the while considered, he's still got 11 points, I believe, in the playoffs in eight games. So I'll take it. Yeah, and in terms of the head-to-head matchup with the Dallas Stars, is there anything you else that you think we should know? I mean, I think I've made my opinion, opinion pretty heard. I think the first series wasn't exactly the type of preparation you want. I think the uh, Avalanche got to be a little bit scared for the type of physicality and, and just the mental side of the game that Dallas presents. And, you know, we're looking very heavily at the goalies and the power play. Anything else you think we need to make sure to keep an eye out um, throughout this series, throughout the first couple of games till we get back here and podcast for our listeners? Yes, the physical war that this series is going to be. Uh, Corey Perry, Joe Pavelski, Jamie Benn, these guys are going to wear you down. And those are just three names on a team that's going to go out of its way. Don't forget Blake Como that are going to play some chippy hockey that we did not see from the Coyotes you know, minus a couple scuffles where McKinnon had to ragdoll a guy to shut him up. Uh, Dallas is going to work to beat you down. Somebody like Kale McCarr, you better believe that they, you are going to have a target on you. Uh, guys like Matt Calvert are going to need to do what they did against the San Jose series last year and really put their body on the line. For Calvert, literally put your body on the line because that's what he did when Brent Burns annihilated him out of the playoffs last year. Um, so be ready for that. Nazem Kadri is going to be tested. Let's see his willpower, if he's able to keep his cool. McKinnon, obviously, we know that he can have a bit of a temper. Landis Gog's got to be ready to go. It's going to be a physical war. Cole, Zadorov, everybody's got to be up for it. I think this is going to be the series where the Avalanche and Avalanche fan base finally feel like they are in the playoffs because of what you just mentioned. We're going to see a lot more post-whistle scrums. We're going to see a lot more anger coming out of both sides. And I'm willing to bet that Nazem Kadri doesn't make it out of this series with zero penalty minutes. Just me. At least, at least a two-minute roughing. There's, there's being mature, and then there's being real. And, and, and the real, the reality is, he's probably gonna have a two-minute minor in there somewhere for roughing. Uh, I want to throw out one more name, just because this name deserves to be thrown out in this conversation. Ryan Graves. Ryan Graves has grown into this behemoth of a human that he is. He's built like an absolute vending machine. And uh, he's a physical specimen, and he's playing alongside Kale McCarr. He's going to be counted upon this this series to really stick up for his line mates, to stick up for McCarr and his guys. And we saw him do it against Tampa Bay in the regular season when Andre Pilat went after McKinnon. Graves took on Pilat and three other Lightning guys in the same scrum. And then after the game, when I asked him about it, he said, "You don't go after your star players and after our star players and not hear from someone like me." So that's a player that really, this is your time to shine gravy because you're a big boy and this is this is big boy hockey. 
I love it. I was excited for, for this uh, series before we started this podcast, talking to you and talking about how intense this is going to get. I'm just twice as excited than I was before, waiting waiting to see the battle between Jamie Benn and Gabe Landeskog or Jamie Benn and Matt Calvert, whoever it is. that. But you always know Jamie Benn's in there starting stuff. Nazem Kadri, yeah. There's going to be someone in there that's going to take on Jamie Benn. It might be more than one guy at once, though. This is going to be a good one. Good, intense, old school, you know, reminiscent of the late 90s playoffs when the Avs and the Stars would always face off. This is going to be a good one. I'm so excited for it. Um, I hope you guys are too, and I, I hope you guys are excited to hear our podcast following the upcoming games. But until then, we got to wrap up the show like we always do, starting with our fan highlight of the week. This is Arif's new segment, if you missed it on the last episode, where we like to highlight somebody on Twitter who's just said something of note, so something that piqued our interest, Arif's interest. So, Arif, why don't you take it away from here? Yeah, so this is going to be a shout-out to Ben Vancouverite Spall, and that's at Ben Spall, S-H-P-A-L-L. The other day after Game four, I uh, after Game 5, I asked Nazem Kadri about using his platform to raise money for Lebanon after the disaster and the explosions that happened there almost three weeks ago. And uh, I tweeted, well, actually, Ryan Clark of The Athletic tweeted it out for me and about how Kadri is using his platform to raise money for awareness. And uh, Ben Spall responded to that tweet saying, because being an excellent hockey player is not enough, Naz needs to be an outstanding human too. And I love that because Nazem Kadri, what he's proven throughout these playoffs is that he has a self-awareness to know that even though he's 29 turning 30, there's still room for growth and maturity. And he openly said, I want to be a more mature player in person. I want to be on the ice rather than in the penalty box. And uh, doing things like this speaks to his character. The Avalanche are in the bubble. They're in Vancouver. He's finally in the second round for the first time in his career. He's finally getting the recognition he deserves. He's finally scoring in the playoffs the way that a player with his skill should. And despite all of that, he still has his mind on his heritage, his background, his Lebanese roots, raising money, just being a good person overall. So Ben Schball's tweet really stuck out, stuck out to me for that reason um, because he's spot on. Nazem Kadri is playing excellent hockey and he's an outstanding human and he's doing both of those things at the same time while locked in a bubble in Edmonton. It's amazing to me what a spectacle he is, and I think that's something that didn't really set in for me until these playoffs happened, and you kind of saw Toronto get booted from the playoffs. You saw a lot of Canadians really gravitate towards Nazem Kadri and the Avalanche, and he's gaining a lot more attention. So when you're that big of a deal, you got to use your pedestal for something productive every once in a while. So, you know, we touched on it last week. Good on him for just being that kind of person, doing him, not really caring, caring what people think about him, just being the Nazem Kadri we all know and love and and you know you got to respect a guy like that so we don't need to get too much more into that but shout out um for the uh, fan highlight of the week I like this new segment I hope uh, I hope he listens I hope he listens to a shout out well if he doesn't he better when I tag him and tell him that he was uh featured on our podcast so I'm going to give him no reason but to listen but uh thank you Ben for that response thank you for being a listener a reader following me on Twitter and I hope you enjoyed the pod Keep on keeping on, Ben. That brings us to our social media moment of the week. It's been tough finding social media moments of the week lately, mainly because the players have been practicing and playing games. They haven't been spending too much time posting stuff. But this week we saw Landis Gog post a very heartfelt message on Instagram about his team. It's just a very inspirational picture of him 
uh, looked like during a national anthem, just pregame, yep. getting focused with his head down, very, you know, the calm before the storm. And just underneath it says, love this team. Let's keep it going. You love the, the uh, I, just the, the camaraderie, the brotherly love spread by the captain. You love to see it. And, and even more when it's on Instagram, kind of involving us. Yeah, and if you scrolled right on that post, you'll see the second picture that he posted, and it's a big group hug of none other than the top power play unit. Rantanen, Landeskog, Kadri, Makar, McKinnon. It's a big group hug. He loves the team. He loves the guys that he's got in there. He loves how much these guys are scoring and how great they've been on the power play, and he's just he's lost in the moment of this idea that this team can truly win it all, and this team can go far and do special things and 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 you know the caption says it all love this team it's it's not something you often see from a hockey player uh but you can tell he's in the moment right now and he's just he's got this euphoria going about him every time a new player comes to this team they always speak about the locker room and how close it is how special of a a group of guys it is and that's been going on for years. So when you see just that kind of team bonding and that kind of a team relationship, it really makes you feel good about the chances because if there's any sort of tiff in the locker room or any sort of awkwardness, it's always going to cause a problem on the ice as well. Well, it doesn't seem like that's, just, that's the deal at all with this team. This team loves each other through thick and thin, and I uh, just can't wait to see them go to battle here against Dallas. And the funny thing is, all of what you said is not only true, but it's a far cry from a team that seven years ago had an experienced and respected veteran like John Sebastian Jaguer stand up in front of microphones and media and say, this team is more focused on their Vegas trips over the summer than they are about playing hockey in March and April. It's a far cry from where the Avalanche were seven years ago. The locker room, the dynamic, the culture, it's all changed. And it starts with the top, with Joe Sackick. Again, this post says it all. This post epitomizes what seven years of growth in this organization looks like. I love it. Love it. Just the ideal setting for a locker room going on there in Colorado. In the Colorado dressing room, time to get to the Mile High Sports Three Stars of the Week presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this edition of the Three Stars, I wanted to do something a little bit different and thank you to Altitude Sports Radio for providing me some of these sound clips, but I want to get the fans and the listeners just a little bit more pumped up. I wanted to talk about the three best goals from the Arizona series and play the sound clips from them to hopefully, you know, put some goosebumps on your arms and get excited for game one tomorrow. So star number three, I'm giving to the Andre Burakovsky goal in game two, putting the avalanche up three to two with two minutes and 57 seconds left on the clock. Burakovsky turns, fires a pass for Kadri. He'll chop at it, wide open net. Score! He scores! Andre the Giant! Burakovsky slams it home, and the Avalanche have a 3-2 lead with 2.53 to go in the third period. He almost missed the damn net. He just barely got it in because the puck took a nice, fortuitous bounce right to his stick. But it takes a good player to score goals that like that where a split second can make a difference. And I applaud him because one centimeter to the left... It would have hit the post and went wide. The Avalanche need to play playoff overtime hockey. They need to 
you know, tax their bodies even more than what is necessary. He saved them from overutilizing, you know, their playing time and their bodies. And, and, you know, it was an excellent goal. It was a big goal at a big time. I mean, it was just a clutch moment, you know, worst case scenario, he, he misses that goal. They go into overtime it's game two. Suddenly, you have a one-one series. Arizona's feeling extra. And confident. then we saw, and then we saw what they did in game three. I mean, Arizona could very well have taken a two-to-one series lead. It's similar to what happened with the Avs and Flames last year. Calgary won the first game. It went to overtime in game two, and it took a McKinnon goal in game two to win it. Had he not, Calgary would have had a two-to-nothing lead before game three. It's it's that much of a difference. Every game is a two-game swing. You're either up two-nothing or tied one-one. It's a two-game swing. Yep, great job by Andre Burakovsky, earning third star of the week there. Star number two, it's not going to one goal, but rather three goals. And those are the three goals that came in game one, all in the span of a minute 23 to ultimately take a frustrated Avalanche team on to win game one in, in a pretty impressive fashion. Plays it off the wall for Kale McCarr. That play has worked. Rantanen has not been able to settle the puck. McCarr through traffic. Puck is loose yeah! on the doorstep. Score! It's a power play goal! The Cadre Man can! And the Avalanche finally solve the puzzle of Darcy Kemper. Blast from the point. Stay made Kemper. Puck is loose. Rebound. Within a minute at least. And JT Comfer has his second of the postseason, second of the period for Colorado, and it's a 2-0 lead for the Avalanche. Nikita Zadora backs it up the wall for Nathan McKinnon. He's in stride for Colorado. McKinnon in space. Always a dangerous proposition. Leaves it for Landeskog holding. Has he got let up in front? Score! The Moose is You know, when you said three goals all in one period, I had to sit back and think, which period? Because they did it in the second period of game five and in the first period of game five and in the first period of game four. But you chose to go with the one that was the most important and that was the third period of game one. That was an excellent uh, showing and uh, it, it, it was what broke the dam and what made the Avalanche believe that Kemper is beatable and that is very important for a, for a team in their psyche. Right, again, another make or break moment where the Avalanche are giving the Coyotes hope. They're giving them belief that they can come out here and compete with this team but then suddenly in a minute and 23 second span they just shattered all those hopes and dreams to, to possibly steal a game one. That brings me to star number one, and I mentioned this on the last episode. I thought it was the pivotal moment in the pivotal game. That's Nazem Kadri's first goal in game four, putting the Avalanche up 2-0 on the power play. Now Nathan McKinnon for Nazem Kadri. He's able to skip over a stick. Now back for Nathan McKinnon. Leaves it, big drive. Miko Rantanen, save made. Score! The Kadri man can! It's another power play goal for number 91. And it's 2-0 Colorado with 3.53 to go in the first. What a guy. What a goal. 
He did it again in Game 5, but that Game 4 goal was the difference. They couldn't beat Darcy Kemper in Game 3. He came out in Game 4 and said, we're going to beat this damn guy, and we're going to do it early, we're going to do it often, and it completely flipped the series and the script on Darcy Kemper's head. Yeah, fabulous moment. We can't say enough about what Nazem Kadri's brought to the table. Can't wait to see it translate into the next round, and you know, hopefully the Avalanche just keep playing the way they have been and keep putting their head down and just believing in the system and believing in themselves because – this is just so much fun for all of us, you know, f- fans, media, players. We want to see this team succeed, and they have to get further than last year. They missed getting out of the second round by one game. Well, in my opinion, to make that obvious next step, they got to get out of this round, and they got to do it, you know, yeah. in, in an impressive fashion. And and with a team built like this, with the guys that they have, the next step is not to get to round three. The next step is to win it all and prepare yourself for a decade of being a, a dynasty. They have what it takes. I truly believe so. So does Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon believes so too. He's been saying it all year. <laughs> they haven't won anything yet, though. We've, we've heard that a million and two times. Correct. On that note, yep. thank you guys for joining us on this episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast. Please enjoy the start of the next round this is so much fun and you know we're gonna have months without hockey once this is all over so let's just enjoy it while it's here despite the kind of erratic schedule right it's crazy we're all on our toes but other than that follow us on twitter interact with us like comment subscribe the podcast anything you want to do hit us up at run right Arif, at jj of the year that being said once again please enjoy the hockey and Hockey's for everyone. We got you.